0: If you have your bibles, Psalm 23 is where we are this morning. Psalm 23. We're at, we're beginning a new sermon series now. We're there's a chance we're probably going to swing back and forth to the beatitudes and finish those up over some time, but but we're starting to lean a little bit more into into Psalm 23 for the for the beginning of the season. So we may return to the beatitudes eventually. Uh, we'll get back there one of these days but for now we're moving on um as we read this passage this is man uh, this is one of those things like where you have the verses in your head and you've probably most of us if you grew up in church you've memorized these passages or at least some of them you've got them locked into your mind and that's great like I, i want people to memorize the scriptures that's a huge deal but you also need to be aware that when you're around a Bible verse for a lot, a time, you eventually just kind of don't think about it anymore. It's just it just becomes words. It's kind of like a, the lyrics of a song. You, you ever you were younger, maybe your older siblings were listening to some songs on the radio, whenever you grew up. And then, you know, you you memorize all the lyrics, you can say them out loud. you you know the song by heart, and then you get a little older. And you hear the same song again, like you're 18, 20, 25 years old, and you realize, oh my goodness, this song is very inappropriate. <laughs> you just don't know because you just were, you just had it there in your brain the whole time. You see, now obviously the words of God are never inappropriate, but bear with me in my illustration here. Uh, what I'm trying to say is, you can have the words and not have the meaning really easily. And so as we're going through this passage this morning, there's a couple of things that I kind of want to to pre-program into your head before we start reading it. First is shepherd. Pay very close attention to that word, what its context is and how it works. And then pay attention to what it is that the shepherd is doing as we read this morning. So we're we're paying attention to the word shepherd, what's going on around it, and we're paying attention to, to what the shepherd is doing. So go with me to Psalm 23, and let's take a look at it together. Starting in verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Now that's interesting. But let's let's move on. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for You are with me. Your rod and Your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Father, I ask that as we read and study this passage this morning, that you would awaken in our hearts a new affection for it, that it would not just be dead words that we have read again and again and again, but rather that it would spark joy in our hearts, that we would see it anew and afresh, and that You would teach us what it means, why it matters, and how to live it out. Lord, by the power of Your Spirit, help us this morning. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Now, one of the first things I said to you this morning was let's pay very close attention to that word shepherd. Now, we need to get the image of what a shepherd actually is in our minds straight before we continue rolling through this very much farther. Because sometimes whenever we think of shepherd, we think of the nativity scene shepherds. Do you all know what I'm talking about? If If you imagine a nativity scene in your mind with me, what does it look like? It's rather, we just talk about the one that sits across the street from us in the, in the St. Landry Parish Courthouse Square. If you've ever been to see that nativity scene, it's very ornate, right? It's very, it's very kept up. Um, everything's very clean. The shepherds almost look magisterial in their appearance. They look, they look very well done, very, very uppity. I mean, these must be some, some rather well to do shepherds that are showing up. But if we're not careful in our mind's eye, that's going to be what we perceive every time that word shepherd pops up. We we often imagine and, and even romanticize the role. Here, here's what I mean. I bet you money that whenever you pictured shepherd, you pictured a, a, a clean and tidy man who's decently well-kept, looking around over his clean and tidy flock of beautiful little white sheep. Do you know what I'm talking about? the ones that appear in the commercials on television and they have no problems and there's no dirt and there's no issues and he's smiling and all the sheep are buying gently in the background. That is not a shepherd. It's not a shepherd. At least that's not an accurate representation of what the image should be that pops into our minds. Now, full disclosure here, I've never had sheep, but some of you have. And so you might actually have the right version of, of this image tucked into your brain here, real quick. And I have I have friends who have who have raised sheep before. I've I've raised goats, and when I say I'm, I raised goats, I had goats at my house for about fourteen days. That's what I mean whenever I say I raised goats. We ha- I said let's get goats. We got goats, and then four hours later, I was like, this was a bad decision. This I should not have done. This why because goats are disgusting creatures. I mean they're just they're terrible i I, why i don't know it's very trendy right now if you if you exist in the trendy trends it's very trendy to have goats and i'm just thinking never again never again and for what i have been told by friends of mine who have raised sheep they are comparable or worse they're disgusting and i did not have to care for these animals in the same way that the shepherds of old did whenever this psalm was written. See, when this psalm was written down, if you were a shepherd, you lived with the sheep. That's why David, the youngest brother of the family, was the one who stuck with the job of tending the sheep because <laughs> he got stuck with it, <laughs> you know, because he he got given that task, because all of his other brothers said, not it, faster than he did. That was the whole jam. Nobody else wanted to accomplish that goal. Nobody else wanted that particular job. And so David got stuck with it because it's gross. Uh, imagine this with me, okay? A shepherd's job is to, is to be with the sheep and to be in such close proximity to them at all times to be able to protect them, to be able to make sure that nobody got lost. He literally laid down and slept with the sheep at night so that he could be close enough to take care of them. Have you ever been around a goat or a sheep? They smell terrible, okay? They smell terrible. And imagine, in this context, a shepherd In that time, that's sleeping, living, walking with the sheep for weeks on end. You remember, right? When they had to go find David, they had to go find David because he was out with the sheep, leading them along in the wilderness, just trying to keep them all alive. If you've ever had large animals, any type of large domestic animals, what do we have in South Louisiana that's a perpetual threat to them? Coyotes. we got coyotes like crazy. And if you have a sheep... Which smells terrible, very, very strong odor, and they're not that smart. What's going to go after your sheep? The coyotes. This is why David told stories of having to fight and keep the, the lions and the bears away from the sheep. That's why he got so skilled with a sling, because it was his job. Shepherds, as a result of their task, were gross, right? Could you imagine? Where do you sleep? where the sheep, you know, you know, and that's your bed. When do you leave? Never. (laughs) My job is to keep them alive. So I'm here until either somebody comes to relieve me or, I don't know, we butcher all the sheep. Those are my only two options. This is what a shepherd did. This is why the shepherds being the ones that the angels heralded the news of the Messiah being born first, too, was so profound. Because they were the bottom of society in those given days. The Lord was revealed to them. His birth was revealed to them first. That's wild. The, The kings, the wise men, the three kings, they didn't show up till Jesus was like two or three years old, way later. Way later. But it was to the common man, the pauper, the disgusting shepherd that he was revealed to first. They smelled terrible. They didn't have time to bathe. They slept outside and they were covered in... Okay, you got it? There's your proper picture of a shepherd. And when we picture Jesus, He's teaching us that that's the way we should imagine Him. Now, I don't know about you, but that bothers me a little bit, right? Because we're, we're talking about the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the One who rules and reigns over all creations, the One who, who has majesty that no one else can even come remotely close to, the One who is, is the Savior and Messiah of the world. But He's teaching us that this illustration is about Him. Jesus presents himself as our shepherd. We think of him as king, ruler, judge, majesty. And all of those statements are right and true. But we don't think about shepherd in the right way. A shepherd? Isaiah chapter 40, verse 11 gives us a little bit more context. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Yes, a shepherd. And this image, and this image we can't lose. Do you hear me? You have to hold on to it. Yes, a king. Yes, a ruler. Yes, majesty beyond words. All of those things are true. But he's also a shepherd. That's important. Hold on to that. Now, we've talked about this a little bit already, but what was, what did the shepherd do? He, He, he fought predators off. For one thing, that's not an, not an easy job. In fact, it's a very bloody job in which often shepherds laid their lives down for what? For the sheep. They were willing to stand between the threat of, of, of a lion, of a lion, okay? Of a lion. Between the lion and the flock, between the bear and the flock. Okay, let me tell you. So we uh, we we have dogs, all right. Um, We have we have German shepherds. German shepherds are great dogs. They shed like crazy, though. Full disclosure. But we love German shepherds. We have two, and one of them, their name's is Rocket. Rocket's a great dog. Kind of slow, you know. He's not as fast as as his sister mom, which is what we call the older one that we have. It's his sister mom because she's older and kind of maternal with him, but. It's interesting. Whenever he was young, like maybe, maybe four months old, right? Whenever we first got him, he was still in that puppy phase where I had to, I had to bring him outside every night. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Whenever you have a little puppy and you're trying to keep him in the house, that was also a terrible idea. He lives outside now. But anyway, when you're trying to keep him in the house for a little while, uh, you have to get up at about four o'clock in the morning and go pee the dog outside. Otherwise, it's all over your house. That's part of just, that's normal puppy life. That's how it goes, okay? So it's four o'clock in the morning and I'm outside with my my little rocket shepherd, okay, my little dog. And I look off in the distance at the tree line. If you've ever been to my house before, you know I got woods on both sides. I look off in the distance at the tree line and I see a dog. And I'm like, huh, never seen that dog before. What's up with that? And then that dog sees me. And I'm like, huh, wonder whose dog that is. And then that dog starts running towards me, okay? And then I realized, that's a coyote. That's not a puppy. Oh, no. And then I, something clicked into my brain because Rocket's a puppy, and coyotes are known to eat domestic dogs. Did you guys know this? If you leave your dogs all out at night, you have coyotes around. There's a strong chance the coyotes are going to get them, put them up at night, generally speaking. And, and I looked down, and I'm like, he's coming to eat Rocket. And I'm like, I don't, like, I go into, oh no, the children will never forgive me kind of mode. And so I, I step in front of the dog and you know, like, I think you just like your instincts take over and you're like, I'm bigger than you. And the, the coyote decided maybe this fight's not worth it and it left. That took a tremendous amount of courage for me to say, no, I'm going to stand between this dog and this other dog that kills things. I can't imagine what it would take. To do that with a lion, okay? With a lion. Here's David with his sling, and he's like, no, I'm, a, I'm about to ice this lion. Like, that's that's incredible bravery, and that's the disposition of a shepherd. These sheep will not die on my watch. I'm here. I'm going to stop it from happening. That's the way they work. They fight. They protect. They defend. And it's a bloody job, and sometimes shepherds lose, but they're willing to move in that direction. If you talk to talk to John, visit with John for a little bit. John had sheep for a while. Talk to Wade. Wade's got goats. Thinks he's had sheep on occasion before. Talk to some buddies of yours that have animals in their backyard. They'll tell you it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to keep these things. Talk to the sunbuckners. It's a lot of work to keep these things. It's not easy. And if, the mo- if you've ever kept sheep before, and all you sheep keepers and goat keepers can attest to this, if you've ever kept uh, sheep before. They're also not smart animals, okay? If, if you see, if, if they get distracted by anything. They, they'll run off by themselves. This is why shepherds often have highly trained dogs, and the dog's sole purpose is to go and keep the sheep in a pile. Keep them together. Don't, don't let these things keep running off in different directions. They're just not that smart, and they will get lost on their own all the time. And As we've said before, again and again and again and again, they are filthy but the shepherd's job is to take care of them. And your Lord, your Lord, okay, provides you as an illustration of His character that He is the good shepherd. Your Lord does. Nobody else does that. The, the Allah, the God of Islam, it would be sacrilegious and, and maybe even executable Under the penalty of death for you to compare Allah to a shepherd. The the ancient kings and pharaohs, that's never how their image was portrayed. In fact, the Bible portrays the ancient kings and the ancient pharaohs as those who would slaughter the sheep. But they'd never have the disposition of a shepherd. And in a world that you and I live in, in which we are perpetually instructed to think about ourselves first through whatever word you want to choose, the popular one right now is is the idea of self-care, the idea of being a shepherd, risking your life, your comfort, your cleanliness. I mean, that's just kind of lost on us now, right? I got to take care of me first. That's the exact opposite mindset of a shepherd but to be shepherd-like. That's exactly what we're called to be. If you are called to be like Christ, Christian, which is what the word means, if you are called to follow Him and image Him and live like Him, then you, are, you are called to be shepherd-like, to protect, to provide, to lay down your lives, your comfort, your preferences in order to do so. And if you've ever had kids you know that that's what it means to have kids. Because what do they do? They demand everything from you. Especially when they're little, little, right? Amen. They demand everything from you. They demand 1 a.m. feedings. They demand a follow-up 2.30 a.m. feeding. They demand a 3 o'clock feeding because they didn't finish at 2.30, right? And then they also would like a snack at 5. And then if you've got any gas left in the tank, maybe another one at 6.30 right? They're so demanding. The little children that come into your room at 4 a.m. on the night that you just finally thought you were going to be able to get to sleep, I had a bad dream. Can I snuggle with you? Yes. Get in the bed. No, I say it way nicer than that. Say it way nicer for the record. I say it nicer than that. But that's 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 what it means. That what it means to to have children, to raise children, to be a parent. That's what it means to be a husband. To lay down your life for the good of those around you. To 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 give of yourself again and again for the good of your family. That's what it means to be an elected official. Is what at least what it's supposed to mean, is that you lay down your life and your preferences for the for the good of the people of which you govern, that they may have shalom, peace, ultimate human flourishing which is what the promise of the Bible is for those who would obey God's laws. And so you work to bring those things into into your rule and reign as an elected official, as a ruler, as a magistrate. It's what it means to start a business. Now let's talk about that last one for a second because you might not believe me because we've bought into the lie generally in our culture that any form of capitalism is evil. And that's not true. Because the very definition of capitalism, right, requires the deference of the one starting the business for the good of others. Now, what do I mean by that? It means that people are only going to pay for a product that does what? That helps them, right? And for a person to start a business that grows over time means that he has to hire other people to help him do the business, right? And to execute things over time. And to continue and grow, it means that the person who started that business must restrain themselves and their wants and their desires... See, this is the way the Christian starts businesses. Now, don't get me wrong here. There are evil people who own businesses. I agree entirely. Yes, that's true. But the way that a Christian operates a business is that he denies himself for the good of others, for the good of those who are looking for the good in which service in which he provides and for the employment of other people. He cares for others. Now, the thing that ruins capitalism is actually government mandates. Being required to spend money on specific things by law actually destroys the economy. I don't have time to get into that. That's a Sunday school class for later, but listen, all of those things, parenting, marriage, husbanding, governing, starting a business. That's all laying down your life. That's laying down your life like a shepherd. That's to sacrifice, sacrifice your preferences, your comfort, your cleanliness for someone else. Do y'all see that? Okay. Now I want to take a moment and hone in on something very specific about being a shepherd, okay? Shepherds, are they clean? We've talked about this a thousand times already. Are shepherds clean? No, they're filthy. But what makes them filthy? The sheep. That's right. What makes a shepherd filthy? He's with the sheep all day. And as we've said about sheep time and time again, they are dumb and gross. They don't know where to go. They get lost easily. They need constant care. If you ever had these larger animals you have to worm them and check them for parasites very often you have to move them to the right grass at the right time or they will eat the grass down to death and starve themselves they're dumb and they're gross. And the shepherd as a result is gross because the sheep are gross because he sleeps with them he lives with them he won't leave them alone because he knows that they're going to if they're going to make it he's got to protect them and provide for them and be with them at all times and because of that Listen to me. Listen, listen, listen. Because of that, a good shepherd smells like sheep. You hear me? A good shepherd smells like sheep. The very thing that makes the shepherd, the good shepherd, unclean, unacceptable, unqualified to the world around him is exactly what qualifies him To do the job. He's a shepherd. So he stinks. So he smells like sheep. And who are the sheep? It's us. What makes Jesus be a good shepherd? He smells like us. All that disgusting death and sin that we reap again and again in our life, Jesus is with us as we walk through all of it. All the failures and falling short, He's with us. He smells like us. He's with us through all of it. All our screw-ups and all the ways we stink and amid our problems and screw things up along the way, He's with us through all of it. A good shepherd smells like sheep like us. Here's a quote from a a shepherd. Try not to get your feelings too hurt as I read it. A sheep is a stupid animal. (laughs) I'm just reading a quote, okay? A sheep is a stupid animal. They follow one another instead of the shepherd, and they lose their direction continuously in a way that cats and dogs never would. But even... When found, they aren't happy to be found. Amen? (laughs) Amen. It's very difficult to round them up unless you have a dog to scare it into being rounded up. I just, I'm seeing myself over and over again in this quote. And not just any dog, a very big dog. (laughs) The lost sheep run to and fro when you find it. So you actually have to knock it over, tie it up, and drag it home. (laughs) Struggling. How do you save a sheep from death? You seize it, knock it down, tie it up, and drag it off. And the sheep, the whole time it's being saved, never feels safe. It never feels loved when it's being loved. That's us. That's me and you. We're the sheep. Some of y'all came here to be encouraged today. Sorry. <laughs> Not happening. That's us. We we are more than conquerors. Amen. The Bible says that. We are a, a royal priesthood. Amen. We are co-rulers with Christ, and we will one day be the judges of angels. The Bible says all of that. And also sheep. That's us. And our shepherd tells us that if we really get it, we aspire to one day be like Him. In other words, we aspire, we long for one day being able to stoop and serve others who are also dirty and dumb. (laughs) This humbles you real fast, doesn't it? Brings you real down, real quick. And that's good. And you should remember that the next time you get called to do a job that you really don't want to do, right? Because you always get those moments. We need to clean the toilets. Yes, but do you know what humans do in toilets? I would prefer to not do that. Some of you all are plumbers. God bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you and prosper you all your days. We need... We need you to keep going and do that job, please. The next time you get called to do something real gross, like raising a baby, cleaning a bathroom, caring for your elderly, aging family members, because that's our job, by the way. That's our job, not the state's job. The responsibility of caring for your parents as they age is, is you, not the government, not the nursing homes. It's your job. That's what the Bible lays out clearly for us. And it's the ultimate denial of self for the good of another. And that is the definition of what? That's the definition of love. The denial of self for the good of another. To be a shepherd is to love. To lay your life down for someone else. That's what real love is. We we have this thing in the world today where we we teach our 12-year-olds to say that they... Well, maybe not we teach, but the world at large teaches our 12-year-olds to say that they love their girlfriend, that their mommy sometimes drives them on a date with every now and then on occasion. That's crazy to me, right? I love you. No, you don't. Because you don't even know what that word means yet, right? You don't love them. What you really love is the way that you feel when they like you. <laughs> that's what you really love, right? You like me? I really like you liking me. That's <laughs> that's that's it, Okay. No, real love, biblical love, is sacrifice for the good of another. Now, I'm not saying like an emotional attraction is bad. God made us as human beings to be attracted to the opposite sex. That's a good thing. And hey, that's not sinful. Keep it constrained in the way the Bible says to keep it constrained. But pursue marriage. That's a good gift. But the definition of real love means that you lay your life down for somebody else. Just like Jesus did. What do I mean? He's your shepherd. Now, when we think of a, when when you picture a shepherd in your mind, see here, let's go back to our original moment, right? When you picture a shepherd in your mind, what do you picture? What do you picture? You picture a shepherd, hopefully now in your mind they're a little dirty, right? And hopefully now in your mind the sheep sheep around them are, are at least a little dirty. They're probably disgusting, but you know, whatever, that's fine. And then, But what you see is inevitably a shepherd in your mind with a big mob of sheep, right? You kind of picture that? Yeah. But here's the deal. How did the Lord teach? The Lord himself taught his particular disposition towards his sheep. Do you remember? This is in Matthew chapter 18, verse 12. You can just write it down. It's not going to be on the screen behind you, behind me. Jesus says this, what do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep, you know where I'm going with this, right? If a man has a hundred sheep, And one of them has gone astray. Does he not leave the 99 on the mountain and go in search of the one that went astray? What does that mean for you? He pursues you. He goes after you. He is the good shepherd for you. He stinks because of you. And that's good news. It means he pursues you, shepherds you, is with you. He will not leave or forsake you. You, if you are his, then you're his. He is your shepherd, the good shepherd. And many of you know this to be true already because you've seen it already in your life. Amen? You, you've seen it manifest itself in different ways in your life. You've seen the, the surprise financial blessing show up exactly when you need it. Oh, the Lord provided. You've, you've seen that, that Bible reading in your in your daily devotions that just, just hits right where you needed it to hit. Just says exactly the words that you needed to hear that day. That you see it in the friend who loves you enough to encourage you or rebuke you. You see it. You see it in the healings that you've you've received and see, seen the Lord carry out. You've seen it in the answered prayers. You've seen it. He is yours. He is your shepherd. If you are His, you are His. And Jacob really drives this point home all the way. Do you remember Jacob? We talked about him a little bit more over the Christmas season. But think, think back to Jacob. Jacob, the, the con man. Y'all remember Jacob, right? Jacob, the con man, conned his brother out of his inheritance, right? Conned Esau out of his inheritance. How did, how did, how did Jacob get Esau's inheritance? He waited till Esau was real hungry and said, you want some soup? Sell me your birthright. And his brother's like, I'm going to die if I don't eat that soup, so fine. It was a con man. And we see Jacob dealing with God throughout his life, trying to, trying to, with Laban. And, and it's like the whole story, the whole saga with, with Jacob and Laban is supposed to be a story of two con men going after each other. Y'all, y'all recognize that? It's Laban who's like, Oh, whoops, wrong daughter. Work seven more years. You see, that's the whole conflict. And then Jacob is out there setting certain sh- things in front of certain sheep so that he can get certain outcomes to that happen. You're, that's the conflict that's happening. And then and then Jacob realizes he has to run away from con man number one because he might kill him back into man, the arms of the brother that he wronged and stole from who's also gonna kill him. You remember this whole story, right? And as Jacob is approaching Esau, he catches word that Esau's coming after him, coming to meet him. And Jacob Freaks out. You remember? He freaks out. And he starts sending all of his assets, all of his resources ahead of him to say, Esau, these are yours. Please forgive me. Esau, these are yours. Please forgive me. And then he wrestles with God in fear. And he's holding on to the Lord. You remember this, right? He's wrestling with God. He's holding on to the Lord. And what does he say? I will not let go of you until you bless me. He's saying, I think I'm going to die. But you promised and I need you to make sure that I remember your promise. You see this trajectory throughout all of Jacob's life. It's so cool. And it's like God was using all of Jacob's life to make one thing painfully clear. And it crystallizes in Genesis chapter 48. This is Jacob talking. I want you to listen. And Jacob blessed Joseph and said, the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day. Jacob learned his lesson. God brought him through all of that to teach him one thing. The thing that we have on the surface in Psalm 23. The Lord is My shepherd. And he's yours. So trust him. He smells like sheep because he smells like you. And he will not leave you and will not forsake you. And he is there to protect and provide for you and care for you all of his days. If you are his. So trust him. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You would prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Lord, you are the good shepherd. You teach And preserve us. You lay your life down for us. And I pray that we may be more like you as a result. Help us to be instructed by you, taught by you, made faithful by you. And may we honor you. You are good. Your mercies endure forever. May we never forget that or neglect it. But may we also remember as your people that you smell like sheep because of us. that You protect us, that You're with us, that we are the ones that make that happen. Help us, Lord, to be taught and instructed with joy on our faces about our limited strength and Your unlimited grace. Lord, we love You. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.